I'm really excited to have Chris Probasco with us today from SUSE. If you don't know what SUSE is, uh, SUSE stands for Summer in the USA. It's a program that brings uh, students from the Basque country, and, and he'll talk to you more about what the Basque country is and where it is, um, but bring them over to the United States. They spend a month living with host families uh, from different churches. They get to hear the gospel, and the hope is that someday uh, these students will respond to Jesus in faith. So let's bring Chris up. I grew up in San Diego. We're living back there now again. I did not know what I wanted to do with my life (laughs) when I was a young person. I mean, I barely made it out of high school, okay? Uh, some fun, funny stories about that another time. I got out of, out of high school, was kind of floundering around in, in college, San Diego State, and then San Diego City College, and then the Lord grabbed the whole of my life. And it wasn't until he grabbed the whole of my life that I actually knew what I wanted to do and, and, and even why I was on this planet. Got to Multnomah and here in Portland and started listening to Missions Chapel on Monday morning. And I felt such a strong sense that that was what I wanted to do with my life. And and in particular, I wanted to go take the gospel where there was the least knowledge of the gospel. That there's actually people in the world who've yet to even hear that there's a God that loves them, that Jesus died for them, that he rose again, he's coming back. And so for those of you who are familiar, how many of you are familiar with the Basque ministry somewhere in the USA or Sousa? Just raise, I just want to get an idea. How many of you, raise your hands high, like if you've heard about Summer in the USA, you, you know what it is. Okay, so some of you do about half, half and half. Well, so the Basque people are one of those unreached people groups. And they're living in northern Spain, southern France. And for reasons we don't have time to go into, the average student who comes here to stay with a host family in this church has not and will not have heard the message of Jesus. If, they, if something radical doesn't happen, someone either goes there to tell them from outside or they come here. And that's simply because the gospel has all but just disappeared from their culture. So when I was at Multnomah, I felt God say really strongly to me that that's what he wanted me to do with my life. But on my first trip to Basque Country, I got there and I, I was totally inspired by, the, by, by what I saw and, and what God did on that trip back uh, when we first went. And, and I came back saying, well, God, why me? Why should, why should I go there? I don't know Spanish. I don't know Basque. I've never been a missionary before. And aren't there other people, maybe already Basques, that live in America that already know Christ? And they could go. And God was clearly he's like, if I wanted someone else to go, I wouldn't have put this on your heart. So it's not about your qualifications. It wasn't about the apostles' qualifications. It's about, are you an ordinary person? Yes, we're all ordinary people. And the other part of this that I just want you guys to catch today is we are a priesthood of believers. We're a royal nation, as it says in 1 Peter 2, 9. So God's heart is not for the coach to do all the playing. It's God's heart is for the players. You guys are the players on the team. God's heart is for each and every one of you to be a missionary wherever you are. Maybe that's hosting a basket student this summer. Maybe that's just ministering to people in your family that don't know Christ. Maybe that's just serving somehow in, in Camas or in Portland or in Vancouver. 
and being a light to people who have no opportunity to hear the gospel. So point number one is just ordinary, everyday people. God wants to use you. If he can use a skateboard kid who barely graduated high school, he can use you too. Um, and the second thing is just that you, you be gripped by God's heart for the nations. And I think for me, it was Multnomah Missions Chapel. If you've not taken, raise your hand if you've taken the perspectives on the World Christian Movement class. I want to see those hands proudly high, okay? All right, so as I, when I first met uh, Debbie Miller and Dave, the thing we had in common was we, we immediately figured out we had both taken perspectives. And if you haven't taken the perspective class, is it offered here ever th through? Okay, so next time it comes around, so this is a seminary level course on missions offered through local churches. And if you've not done this, the next time it comes around, you have got to take this class. I'm begging you. They even have like a, f so it's, it's 15 weeks or whatever, and it's every Wednesday night for like 15 weeks. You can take it for seven of your credit. You can just take it for enrichment. It's, it's not expensive at all. They even have like a four-week intensive. So there's, go to the perspectives. I think it's just perspectives.org. Just go to the perspectives website. Look what they've got going on in the greater Portland metro area and take this class. Because what you, you come away with is in a, just in a perspective of what God is doing in the world. And I just... I, wanna, I don't want to belabor this point, but I just want to say this. What did Jesus come to do? He came to seek and save the lost. And I'm going to say something a little bit maybe edgy, but if you're, I was just preparing my message, and I just this thought came to mind. If you're feeling discontent in your life right now or unhappy, maybe could it be that you're not engaged in God's mission for the lost? Could it be maybe that your mission is more about you? I don't know. I'm just going to put that out there. Because I, I know that when I'm focused on me, I start to feel sorry for myself and discontent with the things I have. But when I'm in the center of God's will and I am engaged in taking the gospel to people, who, whether it's Basques or otherwise, I am content and my perspective is on God's global mission that's happening all around us. So if you, you know, just get, get a heart, get a, get a sense of God's heart for the nations. And if you don't have that, take perspectives or just start reading your Bible or check out the Bible project, animated videos that talk about the narrative arc of scripture. It's one unified story leading to Jesus. So number one, God uses ordinary people. He can use you. Number two, you've got to get God's heart for the nations. And number three, you've got you got to just say yes. So wherever you're at in your life, just little baby steps. So for me, it was getting saved, meeting Jesus when I was 19, living in San Diego, and I looked at this Bible, and I was like, man, this is a really thick book. I don't know anything about this book. I want to go somewhere where they know about this book and can tell me what it means. So I, I took a step of faith and, w and went to Multnomah. And then I took the next step of faith and got on uh, skate ministry staff over at Skate Church. Anybody heard of Skate Church? Yeah. And then it was my first talk at Skate Church, and I had, Paul said, hey, you're, you're, you're the guy next week. You have to give your testimony. And I'd never spoken in front of anyone except a speech class, maybe at City College or something. And then you got to tell your, you know, testimony. I mean, I remember going to the bathroom, 
five minutes before I, okay, you're on in five minutes. I get all the kids, all 60 little skateboard kids all sitting down, and I'm literally walking out to the middle about to turn to face these kids, and I had no idea what I was going to say, even though I'd rehearsed what I was going to say in my mind before. I was a complete blank, but as I turned to that crowd of kids, the Lord just gave me the words, and it just all came out. My story came out, and so I just think, even for me today, I mean, I've been speaking for years. I was nervous coming here. Debbie said she was nervous when she had to speak. I'm just as nervous. You guys, it's never going to be comfortable. It's never going to be convenient. We've just got to start taking steps of faith where you know God's nudging you. So I want you to, to go home today, and Greg's going to talk more about this kind of similar stuff, but I want you to go home and think, what is that little thing that God's been nudging me to do in bringing the gospel and hope and light and love to those around me who are in need who are who are far from the gospel what's that little step that i can take just one little step it doesn't have to be enormous maybe that little step is hosting a bastion this summer plug for susa maybe that's it maybe debbie or dave have been up here talking about this and every summer you're like wow, this summer is just not convenient to host this student. But maybe you kind of know, yeah, the Lord wants me to do this. Well, he, guess what? God's good and patient. And he's, he's totally gracious with you. He'll let you say, you know, excuse after excuse. And, and he's, he's a gentleman. He just, okay, how about this time? How about this time? So number two is you need to say yes. And um, I just want to highlight Dave and Debbie Miller again. Just, I met Debbie through some, I shared the need for host families back in 2014 while I was in a church service at Bridgetown over here in Portland with a lady. That lady knew Debbie. That lady told Debbie. Debbie said, well, I, I could, we could probably host a bastion. So they took that little step of faith and host a bastion. Two years later, she decided, I'll actually coordinate so that our whole church can be exposed to this and, and more families can have students. So now here we are, that was 2014 to 2016 to now. It's been three years, we've had 10 families at Harvest, more families at Laurelwood, so probably total of something like 20, 30 families who've had a person from an unreached people group live in their home for a month and see that Christians are sometimes wacky, but we're normal people and we and we'll see what faith looks like lived out 13 students plus all the ones at 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 laurelwood have heard the gospel for the very first time in their life because of debbie's simple one step of obedience she took that one step and now uh dave a year ago sends me an email saying hey i've got a wacky idea for how we could raise money so that more kids from bass country can come and be in host families and that's raising mason bees. So if you don't have a bee house hanging under your, the eve of your house, you need to talk to Dave Miller after in the lobby. So it's taking the simple things. That Dave's already into horticulture and bees and permaculture and all these wonderful things. He's taking who he is, taking a simple little idea that he had, and it's now turned in. We were just in his driveway yesterday with 20 people who now are passing bee houses out all around Portland. So it's just, I can't, I just want you to get this. Like, it's just little steps of faith, you guys. Okay, the last thing, if you got it, if you're an ordinary person and you've caught God's heart for the world and you're starting to say yes in little simple ways to reaching the lost, you're going to see miracles. 
when I was at Multnomah working at Skate Church, um, I'm going to show you in a video in a second, but I just want to share this story because in Acts chapter 8, which what we're going to look at today, stuff happens that you're like, I mean, Philip literally gets mer- like teleported. I mean, I, it, 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 there's stuff like this in Scripture. You kind of you go over and wait, what was that? He literally disappears. And you're going, wow, that could never happen. Well, I want to tell you a little story. So when I was working at Skate Church in Portland, we had a bus called the, it was a white van. And it, I'm, we probably could be sued if people knew that we were picking kids up in this van. It was not safe. <laughs> They've gotten better vans since then. John knows, drove it, brown van, white van. There was, a, there was a kid here in Camas who wanted to go to Skaters desperately, but his mom worked at HP, single mom, couldn't drive him because she was working. And I would come, I ended up being the guy, the Camas run. And I never forget him telling me, guess what, our, our, our school is so lame. We're the paper makers. <laughs> Anyways, he's like, why couldn't we have a better mascot? And I would pick Garrick up for, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, a year and a half. Well, one night after a, a, we invited Garrick's mom to this gospel presentation at what used to be Bible Temple. And at that, later that night, she said to me, and this is after, you know, weeks and weeks, you know, a year and a half of me going to her house every, every day. Hey, hi, Sherry. I'm here to pick up Garrick. And, he t- you know, take him to skate church and bring him back every day, every week. And she said, you know, Chris, I said, well, what do you think about that, that presentation tonight? And she's like, well, no. And she said nothing about the presentation. She said, well, you know, Chris, you're a lot higher up than you think. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what really she means. I mean, what are you talking about? She says, well, last week or two weeks ago when you came to pick up Garrick, I was laying on the couch and you popped your head in. And she was like, the TV was on. She's like half asleep. And I just wanted to make sure, like, I'm taking your son. Like, I'm, you know, he wasn't kidnapped. She said, your head was glowing. And I'm going, okay, you had had maybe a couple too few many drinks that day, or I don't know what. But I just took it. I'm like, okay. And so I was like, what do I do with this? And I said, well, maybe God's trying to get your attention. And she said, well, I, I, th- I think he is. And two weeks later, she's in her garden, picking strawberries, and she just like, the Holy Spirit just kind of came to her, and she just said, Jesus, I just give you my whole life. And she just repented. And, and so here's my simple drive a kid to and from skate ministry, and, and God honored that with a sign, a miraculous sign, that I had a halo around my head. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows? But it, whatever it was, it worked, and she gave her life to the Lord. So that, that's just a simple, a simple example of when we take simple steps to follow the Lord, to reach the lost, he accompanies it with signs and wonders and will do miracles. We've been in Ecclesiastes uh, with Chris here today. I just want to talk mission. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 today. So you can turn to Acts chapter 8 with me. Um, And really, uh, like Chris said, God is at work, and he's inviting us to to be on mission with him. So the question is, will you respond to his invitation? Will we join in, in in what Jesus is doing to draw people to himself? Let's jump in right into verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise, 
go toward the south uh, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. I doubt uh, maybe any of us in the room uh, would say that an angel of the Lord has, has spoken to them. If It would feel crazy to me if, uh, if, if like an angel of the Lord came to me and said, Greg, go to 192nd. Right, the, the road that leads from Costco to Highway 14. Uh, and if I came and told you that, that, that an angel of the Lord did that, my guess is many of you would question my, my truthfulness, my authenticity. But I'm also pretty confident that if you do believe in Jesus, that, that you would agree that we are to be spirit-filled, we are, we are to be spirit-led followers, that the Holy Spirit is actively at work and that we need to be ready to follow wherever the Lord leads us. We know that God is at work in this world bringing people to himself, and we are to be a part of this work, right? This isn't just for the Billy Grahams of the world or missionaries or, or, or church leaders or really bold Christians. This is for all Christians. Verse 27, 28, And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was returning, uh, seated in his chariot and was reading uh, the prophet Isaiah. So God is at work in the heart of this Ethiopian. Uh, we don't know if he was of Jewish descent. We, we don't know if he was a convert. Uh, we just know he's an Ethiopian coming up to worship in Jerusalem. So he traveled like around 500 miles, probably at least 500 miles. Um, no doubt there were thousands of Jewish people, Samaritans that, that were there. But, but God said, Philip, if God's setting up for Philip to meet this man. And we don't get to see what God's doing in the other people's hearts, but we get a window in, into what's going on in the heart of this Ethiopian. Now, fortunately, God didn't say to Philip, hey, there's one guy that I'm working on, you need to go find him. Like God was leading Philip right to this man. And this wasn't Philip's plan. This was God directing Philip and Philip responding in obedience. And we, hopefully as Christians, we have some evangelistic plans. There, there are people, I hope, I assume that many of us are praying for a neighbor to come to know Jesus, or co-workers, or family members, friends. Um, we're, we're praying regularly for these people. I've got an app on my phone that helps me with my prayer list, and, and part of my list is, is people that, that I've been praying for, that they would come to know Christ, praying that I would have the courage to share Jesus with them, praying for opportunities to share Christ. Um, or another thing we've been praying for is our youth retreat. Like Matt mentioned that earlier. So several of us, you've probably been praying for a long time for this retreat as our students are going off on 10 feet of snow, which sounds awesome. Um, they're going off for a weekend, uh, and they're going to hear about Jesus. And we're praying uh, for students that already know Jesus that they would continue in that knowledge, that they would grow in their belief and their faith and their obedience. There's also going to be students there that haven't yet trusted Jesus, and we're praying that, that they would respond. So both of those are, are, are praying along the lines of, of our plans of sharing the gospel. And I think those are God-ordained plans, but those are our plans. In Acts 8, this is God's plan. This is not Philip's plan. God is, is leading him to go and share with someone that's not on his radar. And Philip is faithful, how would you respond? Like if, if you're in the line at Costco, or you're actually you're getting into line at Costco, right? What do, you, what do you do? You look for the shortest line with the fastest checker, right? That's what every one of us does. Um, but let's say you, you're, you're scanning the lines, 
And there's something that he says, you know what, go in that line. It's not, it, it's not the shortest line, but go in that one. And, and then you get there, you're not really sure maybe why you did that, but you get there, and, and then unmistakably, there's this nudge from the Holy Spirit. I want you to talk to that person. I want you to try and get in a conversation with that person about Jesus. Or, or we just heard a bit of Chris's story, and obviously there's way more to the story, but, but God gripped Chris's heart ends up going to Multnomah, ends up taking perspectives. He's hearing about missions and the missions chapel on Mondays. Um, and, and Chris responded to that stirring of the Holy Spirit in his heart. Now, it's one thing, it's one thing to follow God where, where we're already looking, but it's another thing to follow God in places that we're not looking, places that, that aren't in our wheelhouse, places that we're not comfortable with, but we know that God is doing so much more than we're aware of. God is at work in lives and in hearts of people. God's using all kinds of means to draw people to himself all over the globe. And, and, and we don't get to know about all of it. We don't get to know about any of it until God reveals it to us. So Christians, are we available to God for the work that he is doing? Are we willing Will we respond? Will we say yes? Are we even attentive to the opportunities that he presents? Verse 29 says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So what does Philip do? It says, So Philip ran. All right, so the angel of the Lord tells him to go to the road. The Spirit now tells him to go join this chariot. And he goes over this chariot. And my suspicion is that joining a royal chariot wasn't a normal thing for an ordinary person to do. Right? Like if Prince Harry was in town and there's like this motorcade and let's say somehow I could get close enough to the motorcade and someone from his, his crew jumps out, his, his chef pops out of the motorcade, security wouldn't let me nearby anyway, but let's say security does. Okay, so for whatever reason security lets me nearby, it'd be weird if I started talking to this guy. We are not in the same social class. What, what Philip did here was he's an ordinary guy like Chris is saying, and this Ethiopian, he's not ordinary. He's part of the queen's group, but he goes for it. And my guess is that this points more to Philip's confidence in God and in the power of the gospel message than it does in who Philip is. This is a divine appointment that God had set up, and Philip responds. He runs over to the chariot, and the timing's perfect as we hear, continuing in verse 30. It says, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? So Philip heard, he paid attention, he realized that this was his opportunity, and he just asked a simple question. He wanted to talk about Jesus. Are you willing? Do you want to talk with people about Jesus? Philip hears these words, and he could see that God is at work. And he just asks a question. He just says, do you understand? Verse 31 Ethiopian responds, he says, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. God's clearly at work in this man, and God has also ordained that Philip be a part, be, be used by God for this man to hear so he can respond to Jesus. Romans 10, 14, and 15. It says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful 
are the feet of those who preach the good news. A person can't believe in Jesus if they've never heard of him. Right? And how does that hearing happen? Well, someone needs to speak to them about Jesus, teach them, or, or as this passage says, preach to them about Jesus. Well, how can someone preach, Paul asks, if, if they are not sent? Are we willing to be sent? We could be sent around the globe or, or just sent across the street or the cubicle or, or, or the student sitting next to you in class, but are we willing to be sent? I heard this just the other day. If every Christian in the world today shared the gospel with every non-Christian that they, they had some relationship with, there would still be three billion people in the world who are lost because there's not a Christian near them to share the gospel when I was younger, it was uh, pretty easy for me to be willing, or I should say easier for me to be willing. Younger people, um, are you willing to be sent? There, there are a ton of college graduates in the U.S. for several years now um, that are, instead of just jumping straight into a career, they're giving God time. They're, they're going overseas for six months, a year, two years, three years, just saying, I, I don't have a family yet. I don't have a career yet. They're pretty mobile, and they're going. Young people, would you consider that? Retirees, you're also in a unique position. You have a ton of experience. You have time. You have years of walking with Jesus. You might even have the money to self-fund a trip. Would you let the Lord send you? Verse 32 says, Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, and Sherry read all of Isaiah 53 earlier, Like a sheep... He was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this, this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip starts talking about Jesus. He starts right from this passage in Isaiah. In Luke 24, Jesus tells his disciples, he teaches them that all the Old Testament was about him. And, and, and he walks them through the scripture. So Philip was ready to point to Jesus because Jesus himself had prepared him to talk about Christ from the Old Testament. Well, if God dropped a conversation in your lap, would you be ready? Would you be ready to share the good news so that someone could understand what they need to in order to respond in faith to Jesus? Um, if not, if you feel like you wouldn't know what to say, we have a, a real simple pamphlet in the back on our info booth that just says gospel on it. What is the gospel, I think? It's like six pages. And it just gives you the basics of what, what the gospel is so that you could share that with someone. But um, in this story here, God has set all this up. God is working in the heart of the Ethiopian. God led Philip to that road, led him to the chariot. Philip got there at the right time. He heard the passage. He knew what it was. And, and Jesus himself had prepared Philip to share this. God was at work. Verse 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. He went on his way rejoicing, but Philip found himself in Azotus. 
And, he, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So Philip, well, Philip, first of all, we don't get to know everything that he told him about Jesus, but he obviously told him about baptism. He obviously told him, hey, this is, this is what Jesus commanded us to do. So, so the eunuch sees the Lord and says, hey, why not now? Why can't I do this? And Philip baptized him. Philip, like Chris said, he's like teleported away. Like, I don't know what happened, but God takes him somewhere else. And Philip doesn't miss a beat. He just starts preaching the gospel where he is now until he reaches Caesarea. I want that to be said about me, that everywhere I go, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm ready to share Jesus. The Ethiopian, we noticed at the beginning of the passage, the Ethiopian came to Jerusalem to worship, and then he's returning home. And there's no doubt in my mind that Philip told him about the Great Commission, that what we're to do as Christ's disciples is go and make disciples who make disciples. So now the gospel wasn't just staying in Jerusalem, but the gospel is going home with this man. He's taking it back to his country, and somehow, I didn't even make this connection until last night, that that's the very thing we're hoping for with the Basque students, right? that they will hear about Jesus, that at some point they will respond to Jesus. Praise God for those two groups that are going on right now, and they're talking more and more about Christ. They're reading their Bibles. Like at some point, I don't know if some of them already know Jesus or not, but at some point they're going to respond to Jesus. And now this is the gospel in the Basque country. This is the gospel in their families. This is the gospel among their friends. I understand you might never go to the nations, but we live in a pretty cool time where the nations are coming here. There, there are tons of great ministries to international students, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're not cut out to go live overseas. Maybe that's not realistic or whatever. The nations are coming here. We know there are refugees in, in the Portland area. There are plenty of great ministries for the nations that are coming here that, that you can be a part of. We need to respond. We need to join Jesus on this mission. I want to invite uh, Brian and Debbie to come up, and they're going to share with you um, a, a neat opportunity that they're taking um, pretty soon here. I won't spoil it, so I'll, I'll let them.